Hey, Brian Hubbard here, pastor at Rock House Baptist Church. I want to personally thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. We pray that the message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to be the person God wants you to be. Be sure to check us out online at rockhousebaptist.org where you can find out more on how to connect, grow, and go. Now for today's message. verse I've been praying over this week before we actually get into our sermon this morning is uh, Ephesians 4, uh, verses 1 and 2. And uh, Paul writes this. He says, Therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, therefore I, I'm sorry, the prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received. Amen. That's all of us. With all humility and gentleness and patience, accepting one another in love. There's going to be a time that we have to lean on this verse, probably starting Tuesday, right, Brother Kyle? <laughs> We're going to have to be patient with each other. Nobody knows all the answers. If we did, uh, well, just quite frankly, there'd be no need for the Lord. And I know as well as you do, I need Him every day. I need Him every second of my life. Amen. I don't know what it is, but I'm a little biased about our worship band here, our music team. I'm not musically inclined by no means. But man, don't, they, every day they get better. I don't know. I, sometimes I let, give them a praise. Sometimes I let the old devil creep in. I'll be honest with you, this morning, uh, I went through this sermon and it didn't go as well as I wanted it to. There was something heavy on my heart. I don't know what it is. <laughs> but I know God's got it. Amen. But when I walked in and I seen the worship team, it was like, it's all took care of. He has it planned. This morning, if you have your Bibles or your tablets or whatever, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 27. We're going to read verses 1 and 2 and 11 through 26. There is some uh, a ton of scripture, I'm not going to lie, that we have to go through this morning. But once we go through it, you're going to understand why we went through this. Your readings this week is going to be about what they've done to our Lord and Savior. I want to talk to you a little bit this morning about it. So my sermon title is, and it's from our scripture, What Should I Do With Jesus? You're going to see that in this body of scripture right here, that there was a moment of time that there was one man in a crowd that had an opportunity to do something with Jesus. We're going to see what they chose to do. For our sake, he became our Lord and Savior. But at the time, I just don't know if I would have the words. Let's get into our scripture. Maybe we can learn a little more this morning. Verse 1 says, When daybreak came, all the chief priests and the elders of the people plotted against Jesus to put him to death. After tying him up, they led him away and handed him over to Pilate, the governor. Verse 11. Now Jesus stood before the governor. Are you the king of the Jews? The governor asked him. Jesus answered, Will you say so? While he was being accused by the chief priests and elders, he didn't answer. Then Pilate said to him, Don't you hear how much they are testifying against you? 
But he didn't answer him even on one charge, so that the governor was quite amazed. Verse 15. At the festival, the governor's custom was to release to the crowd a prisoner they wanted. At the time, they had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So then, so when they gathered, when they, I'm sorry, so when they had gathered together, Pilate had said to them, Who is it you want me to release for you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? For he knew it was because of envy that they had handed him over. While he was sitting on the judge's bench, his wife sent word to him, Have nothing to do with that righteous man. For today I've suffered terribly in a dream because of him. The chief priests and the elders, however, persuaded the crowds to ask for Barabbas and to execute Jesus. The governor asked them, Which of these two do you want me to release for you? He asked the second time. Barabbas, they answered. And this is where our sermon title comes from, verse 22. Pilate asked them, Then what should I do with this Jesus? Some scripture says, What should I do then with Jesus, who is called Christ? They answered, Crucify him. Crucify him. Then he said, Why? What has he done wrong? But they kept shouting all the more, Crucify him. When Pilate had saw that he was getting nowhere, but that a riot was starting instead, he took some water. <laughs> some of the saddest scripture I've read in a while. He took some water and washed his hands in front of the crowd and said, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. And all the people answered, His blood be on us and our children. Then he released Barabbas to them after having Jesus flogged, handed him over to be crucified. Let's go to our Lord in prayer this morning. Father, I thank you for Jesus Christ and for what he done for us on the cross. Lord, open our hearts and our minds in our ears, if there's any distraction, Father, that we have that's keeping us from focusing our eyes on Jesus, please, Lord, remove that right now. Let it be all about you for the next 20 minutes or so. Father, then let us take it out into the streets and the highways and byways and tell others about the love that we know to be the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. So as I was studying this week, I couldn't help but to think about how lucky I am to be a child of God. Have you ever really just sat down and say, where would I be without Jesus? If you haven't, ask yourself that and just try that out. It'll be a real eye-opener for you. But then as I began to read Scripture, I, uh, my mind shifted to what they did to my Lord and Savior without any evidence. You see, they had nothing to hold against Him. And then I thought about the mercy that's going to come from these verses that we talk about today and how His blood would be shed for us on the cross that we can be forgiven. And then I thought, you know, easy for me to read thousands of years later and say, well, huh, this is what I would do, right? But I tried to put myself in the shoes of each character there, of Pontius Pilate, of the crowd, <laughs> of the criminals on the cross with Jesus. And so as we discuss the writings from the Gospels this morning, please do me a favor. 
put yourself in at least everybody's shoes for a moment. That way we can get the full picture this morning. And if we're honest, we've been a little bit of each character. And I'll explain in just a little bit. A quick note before we dive really deep into our points this morning and our verses. It's the Passover festival. Kind of funny that uh, thousands of years before that, there was a Passover where we had to put the blood on the doorpost. You know what I mean? And here it comes back again. <laughs> and Jesus, he's made his triumphal entry. So everybody pretty much knows who this Jesus is, the Christ. And I want to make this clear. Even though Scripture, the Gospels, give different um, contexts about what happened, before this in Matthew, Jesus had been on trial many times. And, and to my counting, somewhere around four to five. First, when they come and got him in the night, and they took him to Annas. Second, they took Jesus right after that to Caiaphas, the high priest, during the night. Now let me remind you, this was illegal to do. So here they are trying to produce false witnesses on a man. <laughs> and they're breaking the law. Take it for what it's worth. The next morning, they take him before Pilate. And then Pilate says, well, this man's a Galilean. He's not even in my district. He's not even, he's not my concern. Pilate probably knew. He goes to King Herod. If you read Luke 23, which you will this week, you'll see that King Herod couldn't find anything wrong. He heard that when Jesus was coming, he said, oh, man, I'm going to get him to do a miracle. I want him to, to perform and show us who he is. But Jesus remained silent. They could not stick the charge to him. So Herod finally sends him back to Pilate. Now, it wasn't like Jesus was riding a train, first class or a plane somewhere, <laughs> to all these meetings. During all these, Jesus had been beaten more than once, flogged more than once, spat on, slapped in the face, and just after these verses, they're going to shove a crown of thorns on his head, throw a purple robe around him, make a mockery of our Lord and Savior. But yet every time they flogged him, they had nothing to stick to him, so they released him. If we look in John chapter 18, we're going to see an interesting uh, scene here in Scripture. I couldn't help but to think, this is where I went, man, I wonder what Pilate was thinking. If we look at John chapter 18, verses 33, and then 36 through 38, Pilate's having a moment with Jesus, and he's searching for the truth. Verse 33 says, Then Pilate went back into the headquarters, and he summoned Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him in verse 36, My kingdom is not of this world, said Jesus. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I wouldn't be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. Verse 37, Are you a king then? Pilate asked. Jesus replies, You say that I am a king. I was born for this, and I have come into the world for this, to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Verse 38, what is truth, said Pilate? What is the truth? So I want to talk about this morning, my first point. What is the truth? Who is this Jesus Christ that we serve and others may not? What is the truth? 
Well, if you look at John chapter 14, verses 6, we're going to point out a lot of Scripture this morning because I want Jesus to tell you who He was, not just from Pastor Brian. And I hope that we can answer this question relatively easy, but if there's somebody here that can't, or if you have somebody on your heart that needs to know Jesus, here's what Jesus said to when He was speaking to His disciples. And, and Brother John just mentioned it up there when He was talking about, well, I don't know the way, Thomas was saying. This is a little prelude to that. Verse 6 says, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Amen? You want to know how you can get home as the song read? <laughs> it's not this earthly thing. The Bible says, and we're going to talk about it a little bit later, that our citizenship is not here. It is in heaven. And as I saw out to learn a little bit more about this Pontius Pilate, I think I'm saying that right, Pontius Pilate, Many theologians said he was a ruthless man and he was sure about who he was and the decisions that, that he was going to make. And he never hesitated. But here we see in Scripture, <laughs> maybe the Spirit playing with him. You see, after interrogating Jesus, Pilate knew that he was innocent. And you see him ask the crowds a few times. He knew that he was innocent. And you got to think, Pilate had probably seen criminals come before him fall to their knees, maybe like at a trial, and ask for a second chance for forgiveness. And Pilate, being the ruthless man, the theologians say, never happened. He never gave them a second chance. But here's the thing. His response, Jesus' response being, left him amazed. Now how can you say that? Well, he didn't even say nothing. How could he be amazed? Well, it's because Scripture was being fulfilled. If you look at Isaiah chapter 53, verses 6 through 7, it says this, We all went astray like sheep. We have all turned to our own way, and the Lord has punished Him for, our, for the iniquities of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet He did not open His mouth like a lamb led to the slaughter, and like a sheep silent before shears, he did not open his mouth. You see, for, in order for Jesus to be Jesus, Scripture had to be fulfilled. And you see it all the way throughout. And what I found funny as I was reading this week was, even when they couldn't get nothing on our Lord, they produced false witnesses. If you look at Matthew uh, chapter 26, verse 61, some man comes running from the back, I like to say. It's the way I pictured it. I don't say that. But I can see him coming from the back of the courtroom. Wait, 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 wait. This man said, I can destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. Well, that's something like he said. Look at John 2, verses 19 through 21. Jesus was talking about cleansing the temple. Now, just before this, I always like to give a little background so you just don't have Scripture. Just before this, Jesus had got mad when they turned the temple into the marketplace. And what did he do, right? <laughs> Flipped the tables and he had a Brian Hubbard moment, I like to say. Uh, but uh, I'm a little more wrong than Jesus ever was at that time when I have those moments. Thank goodness Stacy's in nursery right now, right? Verse 19 says, And Jesus answered, Destroy this temple, and I will raise it up in three days. Therefore, the Jews said, This temple took 46 years to build. 
and you will raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. You see, they knew he was the Messiah. Bible says it was because of envy that they did what they done to him. I don't know about you, but have you ever spoke to somebody that you know they know who God is, but they just won't admit it? I had a conversation with a guy in the parking lot here a couple months ago, and boy, he knew more scripture than I did. But his life necessarily didn't show it. And I said, well, you're pretty knowledgeable, old, old buddy. You know how we talk, you know, old pal. You're pretty knowledgeable, big old fella. He said, yeah. He said, but that knowledge don't always come to me when I need it. And I thought, that's an odd statement to make. But then I went home and prayed. His heart just wasn't in the right place. Our conversation pretty much ended right there. He knew all about Scripture, but yet he didn't walk with the Lord. We have to remember that, folks, we are on trial. That's our second point this morning. We are on trial. As I read through Scripture, I kept saying, man, Jesus is on trial, and he's not even doing this. He's not, he's not responding. He's not throwing rocks. He's not doing this. But then I got to thinking, oh, wait, I'm the one on trial too. If I call myself a Christian... I'm on trial. If we looked at verse 17 through 26 real quickly again, Pilate said, who do you want me to release to you? How many conversations do we start out? Hey, buddy, how's it going? We'd like for you to come to church if you could. <laughs> Make it optional, you know. And I'm not saying beat people over the head. But here Pilate is saying, who do you want? You know what this world's wanting? They're wanting a little hope. They're wanting how to get through Monday through Friday. They're looking for it in all the wrong places. We have to tell them, folks, that it is Jesus. There's no other way. It is Jesus. Pilate knew that it was the envy that turned them over. And I, I really studied on verse 19. <laughs> this is a lesson for us guys. When your wife comes running with some advice, you better listen. Verse 19, it says that his wife came. Have nothing to do with this man. But the crowds, that's what my message kept sticking out to me today. You turn on the news, what's the crowds doing? What's the world doing? What should we be doing? And the crowd shouted Barabbas. Crucify Jesus, if you think about it. How is it any different than what the world says nowadays? They pretty much say the same thing. Now here's what I mean by that. You're not going to ask people, on the street, what do you think about Jesus? And they're not going to shout, crucify him. <laughs> they ain't going to shout that. But here's the thing. You're either in or you're out. And if you're not following Jesus, I'll be honest with you, you might as well say, crucify him. Because you're saying that he died for no reason. You're saying that his blood isn't what it is, as in able to wash our sins away. Now, I thought about that word envy. I really broke this scripture apart this week. And I thought, you know, how many times have we been envious of other people? Or how many times have we put our sin on somebody else? Or, well, that wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for him or her. And it really hit me to think that my sin 
will darken God's light if I'm not careful. Folks, that's why it's so crucial to be in prayer. You have to be in prayer. It's just another example of why we need God's mercy. And then I, one other thing that stuck out to me, peer pressure. I pray for our teens and our school children nowadays. I mean, it's everywhere. It's on YouTube. It's You know, here we go on. I've been thinking about here we're getting ready to go on the Internet to learn. Well, what's on the Internet? A lot of stuff that's probably not the best. And I pray for our teens and our children not to cave into peer pressure. I pray for us adults not to cave into peer pressure. Because here's the thing. Pilate, we're like him. We have a choice to make. He could have made a choice. Ah, you know what, crowd? I'm not going to listen to you. I'm going to give you Barabbas. I'm going to give you him. He's the murderer. He's the notorious prisoner. This man's got no fault. We're like him, folks. Don't cave into the pressure. Stand on Jesus. Stand on the rock this morning. Guys, I'm going to say this. Listen to your wife. We can do that because of what Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 says. And it may or may not be up there. But it says this. Apostle Paul writes, While in prison, our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await for a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, if you was to ask the world, what would they say? Is that the world's response? I don't know. I just don't know if that's what we're going to get. And I thought about Pilate. As he was sentencing Jesus to death, what was really going through his mind? Boy, I'd love to sit down and talk with him. I thought, man. <laughs> but little did Pilate know that the man he was judging that day to give life or to give death would be the same king <laughs> that he'd have to stand before the Father. And the Father would give eternal life or cast into darkness. And I wonder if Pilate knew what I knew would it be a little different. Folks, there's people out there that are like Pilate. They don't know. We have to connect with them. We have to grow them in Christ, and we have to go tell them about it. And I'd love to just tell Pilate about this song. I thought about Brother Steve, about when I uh, heard that he tried to wash away his sins with water. <laughs> and that old hymn come up, you know, what can wash away my sins? Finish it for me. Help me. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. As Brother Steve says, it's all about the blood. That's what it's about. Don't get it twisted. Don't get it wrong. It's all about the blood. Amen? Our third and final point this morning is that we are Barabbas. Everybody overlooks old Barabbas like he got to go free. And Scripture never really talks about him no more. But that's you and me. Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8 says this, For while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For rarely will someone die for a just person. Though for a good person, perhaps someone might even dare to die. But verse 8 says this, but God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I studied on the word um, for 
And in Greek, the word for actually means substitute. So when it says Christ died for us, bottom line is Christ was our substitute. You see, we're like Barabbas. We're helpless. Our fate lies in Jesus' hands, just like it did that day. It may look like Pilate had control, but just like Jesus said, you only have it because the Father has given it to you. We're dead in our sins, folks. But if we believe, the Bible tells us that we are made alive in Christ Jesus. As I was reading this week, my mind was really spinning. I'm not going to lie. And I was thinking, why was there three crosses? Why three? No one can actually give an answer to that from what I've studied and read, but except this one thing. They said there was three people going to die that day. Two had already, or one had already been sentenced. One they picked up along the way, and then there was Jesus. Jesus took our place, folks, on that cross. It may look like Barabbas got away free. <laughs> but whether your name's Barabbas, whether your name's Riley, whether your name's Stacy, Teresa, Tony, and the list goes on. Your name should have been on that cross. I should have been on that cross. The Bible says that Christ gave his life as a ransom for many. So that whosoever would believe in him would have eternal life. That don't mean just that don't mean just here. That means eternally. And as we begin to close, I want, I want to think about this. Whether you know Jesus, and if you do, praise God. But if you're like Pilate trying to find out, what's the truth? There's a lot of people out there. What's the truth? I can guarantee Brother Kyle can give you some stories about people really seeking the truth. I thought about our first responders and our police officers. And when they're telling the truth to these people, what's their response? Do they believe? But don't lose hope, Kyle. Don't lose hope, anybody else. Because if somebody hadn't kept telling me about it, it took them 10 years. Let me, let me give a little testimony. 10 years I walked in these doors every Sunday. Some days I was probably not in the right mind to walk in this building on Sunday from the night before. I'm just going to be honest. But Christ said, I will go on the cross for you. I would take your place. Thank goodness I had people who loved me and didn't cast me out and didn't throw the first stone. <laughs> so this morning, I want to ask you as we close in prayer, what are you going to do with Jesus who is called Christ? When you hear that little voice in your mind and you feel that tug on your heart, what are you going to do? Are you going to shout crucify him? Are you going to do like the song? I'm going to run to Jesus and we'll turn him back. Let us pray. Father, I thank you so much for your love, for your mercy. God, I thank you so much for your faithful servants. Lord, I'm just going to pour out my heart to you. 
Father, my heart breaks for the loss of the people who don't know Jesus. But my heart is strengthened for the people who do and don't lose faith. When I think of the Lewis family who's struggling so hard, and I think of these other people who have overcome addiction, who have fought the good fight of faith. And then I think about the family members who stood right beside their mother, their father, their daughter, their son, their mom, their dad, their grandchildren, whatever it be. Father, I, I come back to, to the old song that there was Jesus. No matter what we go through, there will always be Jesus. Father, I thank you for the word for, that Jesus would be a substitute for me. I could not imagine walking one day without Jesus. I'm going to be honest. It's almost like you erased my memory before. And I thank you for that. I thank you for taking away the passions of the flesh. I thank you for helping me fight passions that I try to bring back up and rekindle. God, I thank you for this church. I thank you for these people. Lord, through them you saved my life. Through the example that you give through these brothers and sisters. Father, I thank you for programs like CR. I thank you for our youth leaders. I thank you that Rock House can be a home for the homeless. It can be a home for everybody. But Father, I most importantly thank you for the blood that was shed upon the cross. Father, and as it would spew out, that it could wash away not only my sins, but the sins of the world. You tell us you the way, the life, and the truth. And no one can come to the Father except through Jesus. And I pray this morning, if there's someone that doesn't, doesn't know Jesus, that today would be the day of salvation. But Father, if we're all here and we're saved, great news. Father, there's a ton out there that isn't. Use us, Father. Open our eyes to the people on the side of the road. Open our eyes to the, to the neighbors who we know don't know Jesus. Lord, and if it's just a meal that we drop off, if it's just a, hey, how are you doing? Father, we want to honor and glorify you in all that we do and all that we say. Lord, let the words of my mouth bring honor and glory to you so that you would be pleased. It's in Jesus' most precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for tuning in today. Remember, the greatest decision you could ever make is to place your faith in Jesus Christ for salvation and to begin a personal relationship with Him. Thanks for listening, and God bless.